Hello, hello, my name is Rainer and welcome to Nordic Sustainability Investigator. In this podcast, I'm interviewing sustainability managers from successful businesses in the Nordics to learn from them how to create more sustainable organizations. Kote Pizza is the largest pizza chain in the Nordics with approximately 290 restaurants in Finland. Almost 99% of Finnish people know or have been to Kotepitsa. In this episode, I interview Anna Rahikainen, who is a sustainability manager at Kotepitsa, about different aspects of their sustainability, such as whether they should make a plant-based cheese the default option on their pizzas. Uh, hello Anna, and thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. And my first question to you today is that how did you start your career in sustainability and where did your interest come from? I think the original spark for sustainability um, actually dates back 25 years now because um, when I was seven years old, um, I joined the Scouts and being part of that movement having been a scout for 25 years now, it's taught me so much about diversity and leadership and environmental issues. So that's where the original spark came from. And I think quite a lot of the practical information I have and knowledge I have about sustainability these days, and also the kind of hands-on approach for sustainability work comes from having been a scout. So I think that's where I started. Um, But I didn't quite know how to translate that into career choice. I have a master's degree in political communication, so I started out in communications. And I think having studied politics and media and communications, you could already see that wish to leave a handprint on how societies work already back then. But again, I didn't quite know how to articulate that as a, as a career move. So I uh, learned by doing, I noticed gradually that whilst working in communications, I managed to accumulate all these side projects. For example, raising a, or organizing a fundraiser for a, for a non-profit organization or um, taking part as a project manager in the CSR projects that we had going on at the company. Um, so I noticed myself enjoying that, that operational sustainability side of my work more so than the actual communications bit and then that that's where the personal interest came in so when i realized that that the sustainability issues and sustainability work was my preferred choice when that clicked in my head i realized that i maybe need to hop over from the communication side and do sustainability instead so i retrained at alder university for about seven months i did a professional diploma in responsible business and environmental management And then after that, um, the stars were aligned and we had a bit of a organizational change at the company. Our company was acquired by another company and then the organizations and teams were were reorganized. And then the position of sustainability manager was established at the company I was working. So I seized the opportunity and now I've been a sustainability manager for about a year and a half now in my current role. So you mentioned that the first sustainability experience you got from some CSR projects in 
in a company. So was it already Quoti Pizza at that time? No, this was uh, EY, formerly known as Ernst and Young. So after graduation as a uh, from political communications, I started as a communications trainee and specialist and advisor uh, in one of the big four consultancy companies. So in the business consultancy um, firm that was um, that was back in two thousand and thirteen. Yeah. That's when I graduated. So for the first four years, um, I worked in a communications role at EY. And then we did some sustainability reporting, sustainability communications and some operational projects, non-profit collaboration, things like that at EY already. So that's how I first, on the professional side of things, got into it. How do you define sustainability for yourself? Has it uh, changed over the time? I think it's definitely evolved over time, but I think my current definition would probably be, and this might be a little bit complicated, but I think for me personally, sustainability means being really bold and making the right choices, not only for yourself, but especially for other people and considering other people's well-being, but also the world at large. So looking at the environment as well. So considering all those three, the people planet and obviously profit as well when making your choices and often these choices are really really tough but you still have to make them and often you have to choose the hardest way and the most difficult choice to make sure that you've considered the well-being of, of yourself and others and as part of that I think sustainability also means understanding and really properly genuinely wanting to understand the impacts of the choices that you make and the actions that you carry out. So there's that element of awareness and accountability as well integrated therein. Yeah, that, that's a great definition. Can you explain uh, what is Gotipizza, what's the company and uh, where is it operating? So Gotipizza is the uh, largest pizza chain in the Nordics. We have about 290 restaurants all across Finland at the moment. And the restaurants are managed by nearly 300 independent franchisees. Um, Gotipizza is a really well-known brand. Almost uh, 99% of Finnish people know Gotipizza or have been to Gotipizza. So we are a very well-known consumer brand in the country. We have uh, brick and mortar restaurants. So restaurants that are individual business units. And then we also have shop and shop restaurants, uh, which are located as part of another business. So, for example, at a service station or as part of a supermarket. Um, Gotebitsa was founded uh, about 34 years ago, 33 years ago in 1987 uh, by a man called Rappe Grönblom. Um, this was in Vasa, which is a city on the western coast of Finland. The chain grew really fast, attracted venture capital as well along the way. And the current management that we have joined the company about seven years ago, I think. Uh, we were also a listed company, part of the uh, Helsinki Stock Exchange from 2015 to 2018. And then quite recently, in early 2019, we were acquired by the Norwegian consumer goods company, Orkla. Um, I think sustainability has always been part of our fabric of being at Kotebitsa, but we didn't articulate that 
until in 2015 when our current mission, our mission statement was released, uh, making the world a better place, one pizza at a time. And I think um, sustainability efforts have been lifted to a whole new level ever since. So that has been a big part of our history and uh, the evolution of Godebitsa from 2014-ish till today, what we are today. And today we are part of Godebitsa Group, uh, which also runs another fast casual restaurant chain called Social Burger Joint, so a burger chain. And we also have our own um, sourcing and logistics operator food stock uh, that sources and delivers all the ingredients used in Godebitsa Group's restaurant chains, including Godebitsa. So that's the uh, current setup. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, what are Gotti Pizza's uh, values and how do you translate them into your sustainability efforts? We have four different values, uh, which are uh, love what you do, uh, desire to experiment, will to succeed and doing things together. And if it's all right, I'll give you a very recent example of sustainability work that reflects all of these values. That being the uh, COVID-19 pandemic we unfortunately have uh, going on in Finland at the moment and globally too, obviously. And I think in the way that we've reacted to the epidemic and have handled it, it really reflects all the values that we have and how, how sustainability comes in in everything that we do uh, in our daily lives in restaurants. But first of all, love what you do. I think in order to show up at work in in such challenging circumstances when you're in the front line in the restaurants where people come in and people go and there's always that lingering threat and idea of of, of maybe getting infected and of the disease being amongst us in the public i think it really does take love and passion for what you do in order to to keep showing up at work and putting a smile on and still serving customers and being happy and and just loving what you do at work. Um, a big part of sustainability efforts during the pandemic has obviously been keeping our own people and keeping customers safe one pizza at a time so that we we do everything that we can to, to make sure that it's, it's a safe place to come to and we can safely and reliably keep serving food and delivering food um, to our customers so that's that's the love what you do bit desire to experiment um in the early days of the pandemic we had quite a few restaurants who had home delivery service already but 100 new restaurants in the godibita chain had to start home delivery from scratch with no prior experience in in the time span of about two weeks and and to be able to handle the crisis and be able to keep the business going because obviously the officials authorities closed down restaurants from eating in so we only had takeaway service and home delivery that continued in the worst worst part of the pandemic and all the restaurants had to learn new ways of working our food safety and hygiene and cleanliness is obviously in in normal times at a very high level we we pay special attention to it in 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 our everyday lives anyway but they had to be 
emphasized in a whole new way. We had to make even more effort um, to make sure we, we battled against the disease and kept our, our restaurants a clean and safe and a happy place for everybody. So that took a lot of effort and the restaurants really went the extra mile. So that's a very, in, in an open-minded way, took took on new ways of work and took on home delivery and just took on that challenge and I think that reflects our our desire to try out new things and not to falter even in the face of a really challenging situation and will to see to succeed it's been really tough for restaurants because we've had all these restrictions and we've had um, lots of changes throughout the epidemic from the officials and obviously the uh, the situation has evolved throughout these these past six seven months. It's it's taken a lot of will and determination from restaurants to keep up the good spirit, to keep up the good work, and keep going even in the middle of all of this. And we've had really great sales. I'm happy to say, um, even though even though there's been a lot of challenges and official restrictions. So I think that shows how determined our people are to succeed and keep the restaurants open and uh, keep our people safe and happy and keep people employed in the restaurants as well instead of having to having to let go of people. And then what are the what are the main restrictions during the pandemic? Like, did you have to close your old stores at some point too? We had to close stores from eating in. So that that was the most severe restriction we had. So having to having to operate only takeaway and home delivery. So you couldn't stay and eat in at the restaurants. That was one um, big restriction. And then the other one was we had to limit once we get, got to open the restaurants for eating in, and you could stay and enjoy your pizza uh, at the table in the restaurants. We had to limit the number of um, seats in the restaurant so first 50 percent then 75 percent so we took out chairs and tables from the from the restaurants and then um obviously the safety distances that's a big part so organizing the restaurant spaces in in such a way that people our customers and our employees can keep safe distances and and in that way prevent um contagion and then um, lastly, I think one of the, the ongoing restrictions that I don't even see as a restriction anymore in a way, I think that's just become a part of the new normal that we, we are currently experiencing is that uh, cleanliness and hygiene, um, wearing face masks, things like that, using uh, hand disinfectant very actively, even more so than before, these sorts of um, these sorts of measures are here to stay, I think, for a, for a long time mm-hmm. to come still. Yeah. And then the fourth value that I was I was going to mention lastly, um, doing things together. We had throughout the epidemic really tight collaboration with restaurants and between restaurants and chain management and all of our partners supplying us to ensure that we still have food in the restaurants and to ensure safety and and to make sure that we as a as a pizza chain, Godabitza can stay as a trusted partner for the Finnish people in the times of crisis, and we can keep keep again our customers and people safe, and hopefully communicate about it as well, and and tell them that part of our a big part currently of our sustainability efforts is that we want to keep keep our employer brand intact and show people that that Godabitza is here to stay, and we we can be trusted even 
in the most challenging of times. So that's doing things together. Mm-hmm. So I guess that the, the most of your or Koti Pizza's environmental impact comes from uh, actually the pizzas that you serve and deliver. So let's move on and talk a bit uh, about the sustainability of the food you provide. And uh, my first question in this section is that do you consider the ingredients of your pizzas to be sustainable? Yeah, for sure. I, I would I would say so. We do put a lot of effort into making it so as well. And of course, nobody's ever perfect. There's a lot of room for imp- improvement still. But uh, in, gen- in general, yes, I'd say so. Um, we have about 70%, more than 70% actually at the moment, uh, of our ingredients. Um, they are produced in Finland. And for example, 100% to all of our meat products, all the meat-based ingredients in our pizzas are, are produced in Finland currently. That's something that we're really proud of. And we have a very strong focus on keeping on increasing the amount of domestically produced ingredients on a menu. We do uh, make use of certifications as well. So, uh, for example, we were the first pizza chain in the world uh, to merit the MSC Eco label uh, for serving sustainable tuna and prawn. So all the seafood and fish products that we have are MSC certified. And we got the certificate um, early 2017, if I remember correctly. Other, other ways in which we try to make sure that all the ingredients on our pizzas are sustainable, um, we do rely on our suppliers quite a bit. We have very um, tight collaboration with them and we try to encourage them and seek out suppliers as well who use innovative production methods and environmentally friendly production methods in their farming. Because obviously, like you said, um, most of the environmental impact of our pizzas comes from the, the farming and early production stages of our food ingredients. So, for example, um, we have a baby rucola salad that we use in quite a few of our pizzas and its production, its farming is carbon neutral. It's done um, in the area of Bohjama in in Finland and the um, greenhouse where the baby rucola salad is grown uh, collaborates uh, with the local fish farm. So they have uh, a closed circuit um, system going on which ensures um, emissions free production which is really great uh, I've been to visit been to visit the site and it's quite impressive what they've done another impressive thing is um, Valio the um, dairy producer Finnish dairy producer where uh, the cheese on our pizzas comes from and they've made a great headway in carbon farming to to reduce um, greenhouse gases uh, in the climate so they because obviously raising cows in order to be able to produce milk in order to produce um, cheese for the pizzas can be quite uh, can have quite heavy impacts on the environment so they're looking into carbon farming and and trying to reduce that impact um, with that um, that that's one of the key things I think production methods and constant like continuously developing the the production methods of ingredients when it comes to pricing of ingredients that's where we have to look at sustainability as well we've been willing in the Gotebits chain we've traditionally been willing to pay 
to pay a higher price for more sustainable ingredients. So, for example, um, MSC tuna is obviously more expensive for us and our franchisees compared to non-certified tuna, but that's a conscious choice that we make. We want to make sure that we've got the most sustainable um, product out there that's available. So willingness to pay a higher price for, for that is quite um, important as well. The same thing with pineapple. We've collaborated with the same um, pineapple producer from Indonesia, Great Giant Pineapple, uh, for years now. And we could find a cheaper option out there in the market, but we don't want to do that because um, we're really impressed what we're doing, what they are doing in Indonesia with um, taking biodiversity into consideration, offering, for example, schooling and health services um, to their employees uh, locally on site. So um, wanting to stick to the good and, and good and reliable suppliers is a big part of ensuring the sustainability of ingredients. We have full transparency and traceability of ingredients. So as, as well, so if you go on our website, um, we do tell um, customers and consumers where the food and ingredients come from and we can trace it uh, back to, to where it comes from as well. So I think that's something that really supports sustainability, sustainability of our food. And like I said, there's always room for improvement, but um, we are, for example, trying to hit, hopefully uh, within the next year or so, we're trying to hit the 80% mark in increasing the use of domestic ingredients um, in our food. And we're also trying to encourage um, consumption of plant-based foods. And we've experimented on um, edible insects, for example. So these sorts of things to try to develop the sustainability even further. Great. Uh, you mentioned quite many points that I would like to uh, discuss a bit more in detail. And mm -hmm. I think the first one would be what what's the importance of uh, sourcing uh, like from from Finland? So I, I, I read an article or research from our world in data and it said that the transportation of different food products, uh, including animal products is only about 1% uh, of all emissions of that particular product. So the conclusion was that it's more important what you eat uh, and not where did it come from. So what are your thoughts on that? And uh, are there any other uh, important issues why it's, it's uh, important to source locally? I think there are many benefits to sourcing locally. Um, obviously, yes, the, the transport distances are shorter and that, that reduces emissions. But like you said, the, the farming stage of food, uh, the environmental impacts from farming are much greater than, than the proportion of transport if you look at the entire life cycle analysis of, of the food ingredients. But in addition, from the, or in addition to the reduced emissions from transport, um, when the suppliers are situated locally, it's much easier to monitor them and collaborate with them as well. So we we can pay them a visit much easier and and have this constant open dialogue with them and and help mutual development happen. So I think that that monitoring and dialogue side is equally important. Um, also, when the suppliers are from Finland, 
the revenue obviously stays in Finland as well and it creates jobs in the country. For example, um, we employ about uh, or provide livelihood to about 70 milk farms annually um, just from you know, buying our pita cheese. So I think that financial um, profit um, sustainability side is important to consider as well. Uh, when you look at the Finnish consumers, especially our customers, um, when we've talked to them and when we've surveyed what their opinions are, they really appreciate Finnish food and it gives them pleasure uh, that the food is domestically grown and they know where their food comes from. And it obviously makes our franchisees happy to sell products they can be proud of and they know that make customers happy so there are quite a few benefits to um, sourcing locally okay let's look uh, more about uh, to the statistics of uh, different foods mm-hmm. uh, so i found that livestock accounts for 77 percent of global farming land but it produces only 18 percent of the world's calories mm-hmm. So it kind of shows the inefficiencies in the systems. And according to Oxford University study, plant-based diets uh, reduce food emissions by up to 73%. And uh, if all people would eat a plant-based diet, then it would require globally 76% less farmland. Mm. And it's... Uh, about the area of Canada, China and the United States combined. So do you see that we should go more towards plant-based diets according to this data? I think not everyone is there yet in the sense that not everyone wants to go 100% vegetarian or vegan yet. And I think at this stage, not not everyone needs to because it is a personal choice as well but i think what is important is that that we have a selection of different options different varieties and especially for example in god because we definitely want to include delicious plant-based options on our menu we try to encourage people to broaden their culinary horizons and try new tastes and try new things and textures in food so it's plant-based diet is something i'm personally quite um enthusiastic about i was 10 years old when i first started out as a vegetarian i've been vegetarian most of my life um, there have been times on and off when when i've enjoyed fish and seafood and sometimes meat as well but most of my life i've been a vegetarian and i think some level of flexibility and flexitarianism is the way forward um into a more sustainable world but i think in addition to looking at environmental impacts, we need to look at animal welfare as well um, when talking about plant-based diets. And it's something that's really close to my heart. And I am happy to see a change happen slowly but surely within um, within the food industry and in consumer opinion, uh, in that people are more open-minded about trying plant-based diets. So it is a direction that that we do want to head in and want to encourage. Uh, for example, last year we introduced the first fully vegan pizza on the Godibita menu. Obviously, we've always had um, a tailor-made profeta pizza on the menu, so you can pick and choose the toppings and ingredients and build your own pizza and make it a vegan one. But um, now there's a one 
default choice there or one ready-made vegan choice on the menu as well to encourage uh, trying out new things and we are currently experimenting also on new plant-based ingredients for example um, replacements for mincemeat if there's a version that's plant-based that would resemble mincemeat um, so and we see obviously that vegan and vegetarian options are constantly becoming more and more uh, popular they are growing growing in demand and we see, see that in our sales data so i'm really hoping that that's the uh direction that we're heading to nationwide and globally as well yeah it's great that you introduced uh, the first vegan pizza and uh, you're working on the new ones too and do i remember correctly uh, some statistics from your website that uh, from your, your online sales uh, about 20% of pizzas did not contain any meat. Yes, it was 22% of custom pizzas sold uh, in our online store contained no meat. So um, custom meat pizzas means uh, pizzas that are not uh, on the menu, but pizzas that people have built themselves um, in mm -hmm. our online store. So the perfetta pick and choose pizzas, if you like. And 22% of them um, last year contained no meat so i think that's quite a quite a promising figure yeah very interesting and it's good that uh, the change is slowly happening and i think and... you can say see that if, if i might if i may continue i think one interesting fact also is that um if you look at plant-based diets and then different types of meat there's a change uh, happening in people um, preferring red meat less and less. So for example, it may not be that um, the amount of plant-based or, or vegetarian vegan options, their demand might grow quite gradually. But for example, what we see is that the popularity of chicken is growing really rapidly um, and it's taking, um, taking preference over red meat obviously this is this is a, a an evolving trend and you can't say at least you can't say yet that chicken is more popular than red meat but we can definitely see a change there so people are becoming more and more aware of of the environmental impact of especially um dairy and red meat and maybe opting for chicken maybe opting for fish opting for vegetarian vegan options instead so that's a that's an interesting evolution as well yes uh on the one hand, uh, on the environmental hand, yes, uh, eating more chicken is better for the environment than eating red meat. But on the other hand, chickens are smaller than uh, cows. Mm. So it takes uh, more chickens to feed uh, the person. Mm. So mm. more chickens have to die for that. Yeah. But yes, uh, as you said, uh, that not everyone wants, wants to go vegan or vegetarian and not everyone has to and that's uh, i think i also read uh, from your sustainability report if i remember correctly but i would like to argue that it's actually crucial to tackle the climate change and also the injustice towards animals because uh, the report from the united nations says that uh, a substantial reduction of impacts would only be possible with a substantial mm. worldwide diet change away from animal products. So what are your thoughts on that? I think he is raising awareness and just offering people alternatives. 
and and trying to coax them into trying out those alternatives like i said um it's it might require a radical change in the way we communicate about food as well thinking how to how to encourage that societal change and that change in consumer behavior i think um, many people are quite distant um, and from the way food is farmed and the way food is produced and may may have quite an unrealistic uh, picture of of what it takes to to produce uh, meat based products and i think uh, increasing that level of awareness and um, giving people more tools concrete tools and more information about where the food comes from and how it's grown and how it's farmed will help drive that change we are in a we are in a hurry but unfortunately well, well hurry in the sense that that the climate crisis is real and threat threat to the well-being of people because of the climate crisis is very real but unfortunately these ch- consumer behavior changes um are often quite slow and take take some time but i think it, it's it's small steps at a time and i'm hoping that we have got the pizza something that we are looking um looking at more carefully in the future is how we communicate about food and how um how we talk about where our food comes from if, if we could show in a more transparent more realistic more open way where our food comes from and it's how it's sourced and how it's farmed i think that will help um shift and drive um consumer behavior as well i think it's a very good point that uh the awareness of people about uh, their food choices is not very good at the moment mm, and mm. it's important to increase it mm. and i think one of the latest greenpeace uh, reports uh, said that animal agriculture produces about 13 percent uh, of all emissions mm. and that's more than all cars combined so i think that's important knowledge that many people should know but uh, talking about Koti uh, pizza, pizzas, then uh, do you think uh, it would be possible to, instead of uh, cow's cheese, give more options for vegan cheese? Because uh, if I found the right information, then you use about 1 million kilograms of uh, cheese every year. And according to different uh, data, one kilo to produce one kilogram of cheese, uh, the subproduct is uh, CO two, which is thirteen point five up to twenty nine kilograms per one kilogram of cheese. So that means that your operations produce approximately thirteen to twenty one million of kilograms of CO two every year, but at the same time, plant based alternatives would produce about. 2 million kilograms of CO2. We actually have really good vegan cheese uh, on our menu. It comes from Valio. So again, the uh, supplier that I previously mentioned, one of the biggest dairy producers of Finland. Um, it's called Oddly Good. And um, it's one of the few vegan cheeses that uh, can be baked uh, on a pizza. It can withstand the heat and uh, from the oven and the cooking in a in a professional pizza oven. And it's um, the texture is really nice and the taste is actually really nice. So that vegan cheese option is available for all pizzas. 
if, for example, if you order a pizza through our online store, you can always swap the normal pizza for vegan cheese. Or obviously some people opt to, to, to leave the, pizza, or the cheese out from the pizza totally. So not even have vegan cheese in it. So um, I think that that option is there. And we, when we reprinted our menus and redesigned the digital displays in our restaurants, actually just a while ago, we added the label vegan cheese available and have you tried out vegan cheese uh, on on the on the menus and uh, on the digital screens as well so that's one step that we or one action that we took in order to encourage people to try uh, vegan cheese more often and if you look at our i'm not sure if uh, all the pizza boxes in use have already already have the updated or recently updated new visuals on them. But on the pizza boxes we use, uh, we've all also added the label um, available also with vegan cheese on the pizza boxes. Just try to raise awareness of that because not a lot of people know that we we offer vegan cheese too. That's very interesting. So moving to another question. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you look at the health impacts of your products? And uh, why I'm asking it is that specifically animal products uh, are known to increase the risk of obesity, different cancers and cardiovascular diseases. So uh, in that light, would you like to encourage your clients also to switch or eat more plant-based pizzas rather than animal uh, based pizzas i think in general i'd like to encourage people to eat a variety of things and eat the amount when looking at the amount of things eaten to to eat within reason if you like i think when you look at pizzas especially not just any food but pizzas instead of talking about health impacts it makes makes more sense and it's more relevant to look at the overall impact on well-being instead so i wouldn't necessarily frame it as a health impact question pizza after all is an indulgence product it's meant to bring you pleasure it's a special treat if you like and it's not something that's that's meant to be consumed um every day so Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that is not a part of your daily diet um we do for the reasons that you mentioned um concerning um animal animal based products especially red meat um and the connection it has has to different um health issues we do offer lighter choices uh, on the menu there's um something called gots on it which is a pizza folded in half with salad uh, there in the middle we've got fish options veggie options vegan options available uh, then the perfetta picture that I mentioned already um, that you can tailor make and pick and choose your own toppings and and build your own pizza with, for example, veggies and vegan cheese. And there are these sorts of options for those with special dietary requirements. We do offer gluten-free pizzas as well if, if you have an intolerance towards gluten. So those, those options are there available for you. But... Or in addition to nutritional content, I think there's a social element to to the well-being and and the impact of well-being of, of enjoying indulgence products like pizza. Where there, there is some inherent value in, in sharing good food and eating that together. And maybe you'll give try a slice from somebody else's pizza and pick and share. And I think having that meal and coming together to share 
a social experience over good food is really important for many people. And I think if you look at the past few months when people are stuck at home because of the because of the COVID pandemic and you have very little special treats in life when your life sphere of life has become quite restricted, I think sharing good food together is one of the little joys in life that that has um, grown in importance through the throughout the pandemic. And obviously pizza does offer a quick and easy option in your daily life. You can grab a pizza in a box and and you know you've had a long day at work and your kids are hungry and you think oh I need to I need to hit the gym and then go home and maybe grab something uh, a quick bite to eat um and serve that to the entire family. I think pizza's quite a quite a convenient option when consumed and enjoyed every now and then. And um, I think last point maybe for the if you do look at the, the 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 macros of the health impacts and macros of nutritional content, obviously we do optimize what the food contains as well. So we do look at at making making the ingredients, making the food as authentic and as natural as possible. So we stripped any extra additives there might have been, for example, in in pizza sauces. Uh, we make sure there's no GMOs and we've we've eliminated added soya, etc. from the ingredients. So in, in in general, I think remembering variety, remembering consumption with reason and and looking at the social elements and emotional elements of food, uh, that makes sense when when looking at the overall impacts of well-being. Before we go on with the packaging materials and other topics, uh, there is one uh, topic I would like to address too. So uh, I read an article, I think it was on Valio's website about uh, Koti Pizzas and uh, Valio's uh, uh, work together. And mm-hmm. uh, the CEO of Koti Pizza, I think, said that cheese from an unhappy cow would not be this good. <laughs> and I think I cannot uh, agree with this statement uh, because uh, some like industry standards in, uh, in the animal agriculture, especially with the milking cows, are, for example, that uh, the cows are forcibly impregnated using artificial insemination and uh, the baby calves are taken away, away from mothers uh, a few days uh, after they are born and uh, killed if they are happen to be male calves. And since uh, cows pre- are bred to produce 10 times more milk than uh, they would naturally naturally produce, then it puts a lot of pressure on their body. And that's also why antibiotics are used so widely. And what's the most, uh, I think, sad part is that uh, cows, when they pr- start producing less uh, milk, which is about uh, when they are five to seven years old, then they are also killed. But naturally, they would probably live until 20, 25 years. So in that sense, the cows are really treated like just milk machines. And I couldn't agree with the statement that uh, Tommy Tervanen said. I don't actually recall that that particular statement. It's it's very possible that that's some, that's something that Tommy said. I think if 
something like that has been discussed. Like you said, it it's probably does date back a number of years. The discussion and also awareness and knowledge about animal welfare and the, the circumstances in which animals are grown and how they're take, being taken care of, I think we've we've taken huge leaps within the industry in the past few years. And I think the I see at least from from our perspective is that we have much more collaboration and much more open and also critical and, and very honest dialogue with our suppliers and when talking about animal welfare. And and in general I think in Finland we do have quite high standards for for the quality of life and for especially health care of animals and the situation isn't quite as dire as it is in many other countries globally. Um, that said, unfortunately, traditionally, when, you, when you've looked at animal health care or animal welfare in, in production animals and in dairy production, um, the focus has been very strongly on looking at the way their health is being taken care of instead of necessarily looking at the sort of humane side and quality of living and the, the the natural behavior of a certain species but i think there's development happening in that as well and all already has happened in that sense and i think the industry has 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 developed and is on the way of developing better standards and for the future and higher and more strict um criteria for for a shared criteria for the entire industry within the country for the animal welfare so i think that's that's a promising step and for me personally i've 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 come from a family who um who has dairy farmers and back in the eastern side of finland i've actually been part of delivering or when a cow has given birth been part of that delivery process and and seeing how meat meat farms so to speak and, and dairy farms um operate and having been part of that circle and having grown up in that environment having spent summers in my childhood on a farm there are big differences in how things are handled and I think the key 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 is choosing the right partners choosing the right suppliers challenging them and making sure that development happens and also keeping a really close relationship to them. So we, for example, at Fodibita, that means visiting the producers in person and, and having this constant dialogue. And um, for example, last, last autumn before Corona happened, we toured um, the chicken farms where our, uh, we have these dippable chicken bites, chicken products uh, on sale in our Godobita restaurants. We visited uh, the chicken farms to, to for, for example, audit them in the uh, audit them in food safety and sustainability and for a general inspection. And then um, sit, sat down by the table to have an honest and frank conversation about what we think and coming from what sort of consumer feedback and customer feedback we get what sort of things we would want um, to be able to achieve in the future and where development needs to happen so the change like I said before the change happens slow but I think it's more important to change the the system from within and again in tandem with developing um, the, the dairy industry and the meat producing industry um, offer 
alternative to, to consumers and raise awareness. That, that's my personal opinion uh, on the matter. Okay, great. I think uh, now we can wrap up the uh, pizza part and we can move on more to other topics such mm -hmm. as packaging materials. So can you describe what are the main packaging materials that you use and to make them more sustainable or biodegradable? The, the most common packaging materials that we use, obviously there's quite a lot of plastic because it supports food state, often supports food safety in a way that, that no other packaging material necessarily available at the moment can. Um, there are uh, lots of cardboard, obviously as well. Um, but if, if I divide that into two categories of packaging materials, uh, the ones used in the supply chain, and then the ones um, that end up um, in customer use. So firstly, if we look at the supply chain side, um, we have a lot of collaboration with our suppliers um, to, to avoid waste and to improve packaging materials because most of the, the materials that we use and most of the waste generated in restaurants um, comes from the packaging of food ingredients that are delivered to restaurants for use. Um, for example, uh, recently we've replaced metal cans. So we used to have, for example, tomato sauce, pineapple um, delivered in a metal can. Uh, and obviously metal is not, it, it weighs quite a bit. So again, when you transport it from afar, the, the weight causes more emissions. And when you open a metal can uh, with a can opener, you are quite likely to, well, not likely, but you are, it is possible that you might cut yourself uh, with the ragged edge of the metal can. So it's for that safety reason as well. They are not ideal. So we replaced metal cans with plastic pouch bags. Um, they're easier to transport and easier to store and also safer for the for the employees in the restaurants. Um, other steps that we've taken recently, um, now the packaging for different meat ingredients can be sorted in plastic recycling. That we used to have these black um, black plastic containers um, that could not be sorted in plastic recycling, but now we've got see-through and blue ones which can, which is really, really good. Uh, and the rest is cardboard boxes, really. No glass used in restaurants because obviously if you have a, uh, or at least we try to avoid it at all costs because of, if a glass container breaks in a restaurant, it can cause um, safety risks. So no glass there, but mostly plastic and cardboard boxes. Uh, and then on the customer side, um, the only customer packaging that we have, there's only a few. The most important naturally is the pizza box. So we've got a recyclable um, pizza box made of corrugated cardboard. There's both virgin and recycled wood fibers used as material for the box. Um, the wood comes from uh, sustainably grown forests. So the pizza box has FSC certificate and um, it's manufactured, the box that is, is manufactured in Finland. So trying to make the box as environmentally friendly as we can. Um, and it can be sorted in cardboard or it can be burned or composted. The good thing about the pizza box is, is as well, it keeps pizzas tasty and crunchy. So the way the structure is designed, it's meant to preserve the taste and crunchiness of food, which helps. And also the, the structure 
uh, is made so that it folds, the pizza box folds uh, as a container for storing leftovers. So no food waste is generated. If you can't finish your last slice of pizza, you can just take it with you. And our pizza box can actually be popped in the um, in the fridge as well. So you don't have to you don't have to move the extra slice you have, the finer bites in another container. You can use the pizza box for storing in your fridge at home as well. And so that is the pizza box, which is recyclable. And then the other customer packaging we have, um, I mentioned earlier, having dippable chicken and cauliflower bites um, available in our restaurants. The containers and container lids for these dippable products, they are biodegradable, so they can be sorted um, in bio-waste at home. It seems like uh, you have uh, thought your packaging through really well yeah it's been it's been a long it's been a long way and long history of development when it comes to packaging because we are quite quite aware that even though farming and ingredients food production um causes a much bigger environmental impact than the packaging or the transport it's it's these little things that matter so little by little by making these little changes in the end you can generate quite um quite big results and uh, one thing i wanted to mention as well is that we've just joined uh, recently an initiative by the uh, technical research center of finland um to explore opportunities um for encouraging circular and non-single-use packaging, both on the customer and supplier side. So trying to figure out if there's anything more we can do and maybe in the future, who knows, we might have a reusable pizza box. That sounds very good. Uh, how do you reduce your food waste in Koti Pizza? Uh, there's uh, in general very little food waste generated um partly because we optimize the packaging like i said so um that ensures that on the in the supply chain and or the upstream side um we don't really have much food waste at all in first look at first look at the upstream side um we are quite lucky in the beginning of the interview when i said um that we are lucky to have our own own sourcing and logistics operator food stock who sources all our ingredients um, since we have our own wholesaler uh, as part of Godebitsa group and collaborating with the Godebitsa chain uh, we can plan our purchases really smart and and keep a close eye on demand and supply and keep them in balance um, and and so we don't uh, purchase and we don't source any any food that we don't need that would end up in waste um, it's quite good because our a sourcing sourcing team and research and development and marketing teams um, are able in a quite a small organization that we are they are able to coordinate and plan products and campaigns together and be mindful of waste uh, in that process as well and um, of course we carefully track food quality throughout warehousing and delivery and transport in the in the supply chain side as well so that helps so there's very little uh, food waste there 75%, however, of the little food waste that we have happens in restaurants. So, um, and that's something that we've studied and explored quite a bit in the recent years. Naturally, we have a product that is an indulgence product. It's, it's meant to be delicious and very rarely people leave scraps on, on their <laughs> plate. So you do, you do end up uh, finishing your pizza because you've 
quite paid a good price for it and it's delicious so uh, we don't really have a problem with having scraps for example like buffet restaurants might have where people take more food they, that they can eat and uh, like i said we have the pizza box for leftovers so even if you do have some scraps you can take them with you and um before we source a number of, of consumers leaving the crusts so leaving the edges of the pizzas uh, uneaten and they would go to waste but then um two years ago we developed these little dip sauces so you can dip the crusts and enjoy them as well so we can we can drive that um drive the prevention of food waste with uh, research and product development as well um and then one measure that we implemented only last autumn actually uh is that uh, we joined um an online app called rescue club so the brick and mortar restaurants in our chain about 200 of them um, are on rescue club and what that means is it's it's unavoidable that sometimes in the hectic busy um day life of a restaurant kitchen you end up preparing a pizza with the wrong topping so a wrong topping accidentally slips on a pizza or the pizza burns slightly or rips slightly in the oven or let's say you've um you've taken more um, ingredients from the from the freezer to, to thaw uh, than you would have needed or you've maybe anticipated to the demand for a certain product a bit wrong you might have ordered a bit of extra ingredients in the restaurants you don't have much use for them so um, so we figured these pizzas it, it might be the wrong topping but it's perfectly good good pizza that could be eaten somebody could enjoy instead of it going to waste and also we have a bit of let's say we have have a bit of extra baby rucola a bit of um extra chicken uh, we don't want that going to waste either so we can bake that into a pizza and sell it at a discounted price on the rescue club app um, and we've actually sold almost 10,000 pizzas on the rescue app in the past a uh, little bit less than a year in the past eight months that the service has been in use in our restaurants so that has managed that's helped us um cut down food waste even more so there's only very little left and then obviously digital self-monitoring is quite important you might accidentally in a hurry leave the fridge door open or or let's say your freezer breaks down and you don't notice and then all the ingredients um, are spoiled go off within that in that fridge or freezer so um, we have a digital system that monitors all the kitchen appliances and um, gives you an alert remind you if you've left the fridge door open or if there's a technical um technical difficulty with one of the appliances so that system was impl implemented in the past two three years so that's helped curb food waste too how do you make your transportation more sustainable uh, both including uh, delivery and uh, to customers and uh, delivery like product delivery to your like restaurants and do you have your some kind of your own delivery system to for customers mm-hmm so um, on the supply chain side, um, thanks to having our own sourcing and logistics operator, we can influence how the transport is is organised quite a bit. So we can ensure that there's resource efficient logistics. We've centralised deliveries to restaurants so that the supplies are delivered in, in one go twice a week to the restaurants. And usually to restaurants, the 
in the within the industry usually there are many more deliveries so the delivery truck visits the restaurants more often and obviously that increases the number of kilometers driven but we've half the number of deliveries so that it's it's only um twice a week in one go i'm making sure obviously that the trucks are full once they visit the restaurants and um, we've recently changed our logistics partner so now we can with the new partner that we have um we can do smarter warehousing and and pay attention to smarter stacking of goods uh, in the warehouses where the ingredients are stored before being delivered to restaurants. So in the supply chain, that's the those are the measures that we're taking. Um, what's more interesting is we do, like you said, we actually do have our own um, pizza delivery service. So we don't use um, external delivery services like Bolt or Food or up. We have our own cars, our own fleet and our own um, delivery, home delivery app that is integrated with the Godabita online store. So uh, currently we have delivery uh, in almost 200 of our restaurants, uh, which is quite good. And we are looking at making home delivery to customers even more sustainable, um, hopefully ultimately emissions free. We are currently piloting electric cars. For example, we've tried um, cars that run on biogas as well. Um, this is a long-term project because there are quite a lot of um, things that you need to take into consideration when um, when making your delivery more green. For example, we need to make sure that there is a, a an electricity-powered heat box in the pack in the back of the cars that keeps the pizzas hot enough so that they're nice and tasty and crunchy when they arrive uh, at a at a consumer's or customer's house and obviously we need need to make sure that there's green energy in use uh, that's been um, produced with um, renewable sources uh, in our restaurants uh, before um, charging electric cars from the uh, from the from the restaurant so it's a it's a big project but we have a first pilot currently underway of quite promising results so hopefully i'll have um, more and bigger news on that uh maybe next year but yeah that side's been developed as well yeah sounds interesting yeah it uh, is it slightly touched upon uh, this, your suppliers also but uh, i would like to know how do you control your supply chain uh, do you do any audits yourself or do you use any third parties or do you require any certificates we are quite lucky in the sense that we have a quite straightforward and i would say for our industry exceptionally simple and controllable supply chain we only have in godibitsa about 40 to 50 suppliers majority of them are direct suppliers um, especially for the most used products of heavier volume uh, most of the products that we use or ingredients that we use are private labels so they are developed and produced only for godibitsa's use so we have more control and influence over our supply chain um, usually we buy um, ingredients directly from the producer as well so for example example pineapple we source it directly from the pineapple farm um, so that helps uh, we uh, have like i said our own sourcing logistics operators are so, uh, it, it helps in managing and auditing and monitoring the entire supply chain uh, all the suppliers are evaluated against very strict criteria so a supplier code of conduct if you will um, and that's based on 
as it usually is, internationally recognised standards for business conduct, for human rights, for the Labour Code, environmental protection, sustainable development, etc. And we've actually just recently updated the our supplier, supplier code of conduct. For example, we've included new requirements on climate performance for our suppliers. Um, you asked about the auditing. Um, we audit them regularly on site in person. So I, for example, as a sustainability manager, take part in in the audits of suppliers. And we want to make sure that at all times in all their operations, they adhere to, to the criteria that we have. And they've also made sure that their employees and suppliers and their sub second tier suppliers uh, adhere to the criteria too. And We've had quite long-lasting relationships traditionally with our with our suppliers. We rarely make any changes. Obviously, if there's a problem uh, detected, then we want to fix that, help them fix it, and then, if need be, make a change. But uh, mostly, we haven't had to make many changes because we do keep a very open, active dialogue uh, with our suppliers and visit them and and challenge them to to develop their production methods and uh, we prefer when choosing suppliers we prefer existing suppliers because we know them personally and and we've all already audited them and and have a relationship with them so um it's a regular constant um dialogue and auditing that system that we have with them so quite a bit so is a franchised company and I would like to know that do you provide uh, any special training for your employees uh, in addition to like the business uh, usual business training? So that so do you provide any training that's specifically about uh, sustainability? Mm-hmm. So, like you said, Kotebitsa um, is based on franchising, which means that they are independent entrepreneurs. Uh, the franchisees running our restaurants. But um, there are more codependence and uh, common rules and common codes uh, of how things are done in a franchising chain. And we are dependent on the franchisees and they are dependent on the chain management. So I think Dom, uh, our CEO, he's, he's put it really well. Um, hopefully I do him justice when I translate this, but franchising is entrepreneurship but done together so there's a there's a heavy focus on on ensuring that our franchisees work successfully and providing them with the training that they need and we obviously have a very long history of 33 years already and experience in running the franchisee business model we've developed the training and the help and support they they get from chain management throughout the years and all the development initiatives everyday operations training everything is planned uh, in collaboration with the franchisees we have a franchisee cooperation board so representatives from all across finland that uh, franchisees themselves uh, choose from amongst them and these uh, cooperation board members represent the franchisees interests when negotiating and discussing for example development initiatives with chain management um i think before going into the extensive training program that we have, I think it's really important to say that that in a franchisee, in a, in a franchisee-led restaurant, in the franchising business model, everything boils down to to taking care of our people and taking care of their well-being and just 
making sure that there's equality and safety and enough emotional, financial, professional support available within the chain. And that's something that we've really seen throughout the COVID pandemic, for example. Um, and with if that support and if that sense of teamwork and collaboration and equality, if that doesn't work, then it's very difficult to bring to life uh, our mission of making a world a better place and creating a meaningful Godibitsa experience for everybody from all, from the trainee employees to, to the franchisees. So that's something we play, pay really close attention to. Um, but like uh, like you mentioned, yes, there is um, special training just for the Godibitsa people. Um, for example, in uh, topics like food safety, running a business, HR, marketing and also sustainability so we have sustainability sustainability trainings running this year i think we have four rounds um that franchisees and employees and restaurants can take part of and we also train all the new franchisees that start out in the chain and make sure they get get these trained too uh to give you some some numbers um, outside the regular trainings that we run, um, we also provide training career opportunities, um, or professional opportunities as well. For example, um, Godebita employees can complete a vocational degree through our subsidised training. So last year, uh, for example, 11 Godebita um, people did that. So that's quite quite good. And I think all of these efforts to to focus and really make an effort for the training side and um, they contribute to the fact that we've got really high level franchisee satisfaction rates there's an annual survey that we conduct and this year um, in that survey 77 uh, percent of our Kodibita franchises recommend becoming a franchisee um, and this is a really good mark so it, it tells us that franchisees overall are happier now than ever despite the really challenging year that we've had. So that's really, really nice. And we want to show appreciation to, to the franchisees as well, because they are our heroes and that's where the business uh, and money comes from as well. We award them for good performance and, and they do person like inspiring things. Like personally, I find it's, it's, it's incredible how some of the franchisees have really reached out to their local communities and they've even become local celebrities uh, and are really active on social media and talk about sustainability on social media and, and make these amazing efforts. Do you work with any specific United Nations Sustainable Development Goals? Yeah, we've uh, we've chosen a few that are most relevant for our operations. Uh, we haven't quite uh, narrowed down all of them yet in the sense that I think we could narrow it down even more, the selection, but currently there's 12 of them that were focused on 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 working with um, the most important of which are promoting sustainable consumption and taking climate action and sustainable food production naturally because these these are all um all related to the farming of food which is our core business but also providing employment and livelihood since we have independent businesses in the chain that we run and ensuring equality and human well-being in our operations and running good partnerships in the supply chain so those those are the most relevant uh, un sdgs um 
to give some examples, um, the life below water, number 14, um, is, is directly connected to us uh, having merited the MSC Eco label. Um, or, for example, um, 12 and 13 for sustainable consumption, climate action, that's directly linked to wanting to offer locally produced food. So wanting to make sure that, that we have say in the production methods and can reduce emissions by um, local production. So that's really important. And then obviously equal job and career opportunities, numbers eight and 10, and, and partner partnerships with, for example, the nonprofit organizations that we partner with. So that would help promote SDGs number four, five, 10 and 17. So there's, there's quite a big pun- bunch of them that's relevant for us. Very interesting. Uh, what are Kotipitsa's uh, sustainability reporting principles? Uh, do you follow any standards in your reporting? This is one of the focus areas of development for us, I would say. Um, we've traditionally been quite good at open and effective communication around themes in sustainability. And we've, we've um, managed to get the message across to our consumers and customers that that sustainability is important um, and we've reported really openly our main achievements and main actions that we we carry out but whereas we are really passionate about sustainability and enthusiastic to act and do great things we are less so unfortunately for documenting things and this is something that we definitely need to look at more in detail and develop at our organization um, and we realize the need to measure and gather more information both up and downstream so, so from our suppliers and from the restaurants um, the franchising business model is a little bit challenging here because they are independent businesses that are that that our franchises run um, their restaurants i mean so we don't necessarily have uh, as much um, transparency and detailed information of their operations that we would necessarily like and that's something that we need to work with or work at um, so there's no standard uh, in use yet no strict sustainability reporting principles um, we have produced a report in the past uh, each year annually in the past four or five years versus part of financial communications when we were a listed company and now as a separate um, sustainability report that you also referred to earlier but we're hoping to, because we don't have a standard in use now, we're hoping to uh, develop that. And we are aiming for the to implement the GRI core level reporting with the United Nations um, Sustainable Development Goals as a, as a wider framework for the reporting. So we are currently in the process of identifying key indicators, collecting relevant data, both up and downstream, and um, hopefully be able to bring more key figures and more highlights of our actions, but also in terms of data, also described in numbers, um, in addition to existing reporting in the future. So my next question was about your major goals, for example, for 2030. So I guess one goal would be to set up the GRI uh, standard reporting. Yes, that would definitely be one. And in general, like I said, uh, wanting to make sure that uh, we measure and gather more info and set uh, 
numeral indicators for our for our actions. That's definitely one. But I think um, to give you a bit of context, we've actually recently updated our sustainability program for the Gothi Bitter chain. We gathered throughout last year. Uh, we gathered insights and gathered data within the market and from our stakeholders. We talked to them and and interviewed them and uh, conducted a materiality analysis of what's most important to them and then tried to also evaluate what's most what sorts of themes are most important for the people and the environment and the world at large in general um, going forward. So the major goals for 2030 for us, as we've named them so far, is that we want to be Finland's best workplace happiest workplace in our field that's something that we feel really strongly about and we also want to build um, a roadmap to carbon neutral pizzas based on the principle of first avoiding emissions at all costs and then minimizing them and then compensating the the remaining emissions that we can't avoid or minimize Um, so that elements of carbon neutral neutral operations is there in the in the horizon and just want to be a want to be a champion and for sustainability and keep providing tools for more sustainable choices, be it like we discussed, be it plant-based diets, be it uh, a higher level of awareness around food production, things like this. And just in general, just keep keep serving high quality, locally produced, safe food to our people, keep up the good work that we already do. But these are the biggest, biggest goals and themes going forward. Really inspiring goals, definitely. Difficult and big goals, but we are getting there, slowly but surely. Yeah. What do you feel could be done better at Kotipizza? What are some bottlenecks? I think it's a really good question because sometimes uh, there is the illusion that there's a specific goal that we're heading towards and once we've reached it, then that's it. Then, then we're su- sufficiently sustainable, but that's not the case. At least that's how we see it. That there's no such thing as being sufficiently sustainable. You always need to set the bar higher. Remember that you're not perfect. Um, so there are definitely bottlenecks, and there's definitely things that we can do do better. Like I already mentioned, the more accurate measuring reporting based on data for sure um, is one of our focus areas. And just so that we are we can set clearer goals and track our improvement better, that's really important. Um, only that way, if we track and measure our performance better, only that way we can identify identify new ways of, for example, reducing emissions or measuring surveying the happiness of our people so we need to be able to prove the things that and measure the things that we talk about and strive for Uh, another thing that we could definitely um amp up the game in is that we could take a stronger stand in being corporate activists and we've taken some first steps in 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 making a stand for example we joined the ukoskethion campaign that called for better CSR legislation in Finland. So we took a stand there and we all, we've also done, for example, candid camera stunts with Plan International um, regarding themes such as child labour. So we've 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 dipped our toe in corporate activism, but we can do it even bigger and better and bolder in the future. And then lastly, uh, the one big area where we still need to um, put more effort in and really put our backs into it. We need to support our franchisees and their employees' well-being even better. 
working in a pizza restaurant is really tough and hectic and, and we want to make sure that everybody in Godly Pizza gets a meaningful employee experience and and we have people from very different backgrounds people from who have just migrated to Finland we've got students we've got young people old people people from all across the country of different ages and generations that we want to make sure and and minorities as well we want to make sure that we promote diversity and inclusion even better in everything that we do so those those are our biggest areas of of improvement going forward great Uh, what do you think are the three most important lessons from Koti Pizza that other companies could learn from to become more sustainable? Ooh, that's tough. <laughs> it's always it's always easier to name things that you need to develop in rather than admitting that you've managed to do something well and correctly. But I think if I had to name three, um, one would be think big for us uh, it was a big effort to merit the MSC eco label and it was a really big thing for us as a pizza chain and for us franchisees to be the first ones in the world uh, as a pizza chain to to get this get this eco label and if a little well not a little but on the global scale a little pizza chain from Finland can be the first one to do something like this in the world then that just goes to show that you need to be brave in trying new and difficult things and even if that means doing it by trial and error and having to put your back into it so think big that's one um i think second would be talk big in the sense that um finnish people as a nation we are not always good at talking about our achievements and we always think we're quite humble in the sense that oh well there's still so much way to go we still have so much to improve so we can't we can't uh, make noise about our our achievements so far but that's something i disagree with i think you need to talk about openly about even the little littlest achievements that you have and openly discuss your goals and but also the setbacks and challenges that you have and openly admit that hey um, this is difficult for us we haven't figured it out yet like for example when we talked about um earlier about uh, animal and plant-based diets it's something that uh, that's difficult but we're working on it and hopefully uh, we'll make we'll be able to develop this in the future be it internally or externally but especially um i think externally in this case talking to consumers and people we have had this strategy of sometimes blurting out big promises and later figuring out how to deliver and we've always managed to deliver and i think we're going to keep keep with that strategy in the future as well that's second and then the last one i would say is dream big um if i think back to five years ago when we uh, launched our mission when we articulated that desire to make the world a better place one pizza at a time five years ago a lot of people laughed at it and they said oh that's never going to work as a marketing strategy and that's not going to work as a business model or business strategy it's similarly nowadays um some say that vegan food is a fad or measuring carbon footprint oh that's just a trend that's got to pass um but i would again disagree i would say that 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 you need to have faith and confidence in what you're doing and trust your instincts and and 
and trust that you're going the right way despite uh, despite any criticism on the way. Um, you just have to stay patient because progress and results take a long time and take trial and error since it, it, it is often very hard to to achieve um, big things in sustainability. It is hard stuff. And it is, despite it, sustainability sometimes being hard, it's also commercially profitable and personally super, super rewarding. So I would encourage people to dream big. Anna, thank you so much for sharing yours and uh, Contepizza's experience. I found it uh, really insightful. And uh, if listeners want to learn more about uh, sustainability at Kotipizza or contact you personally, where can they do it? Um, if you want to read more about Kotipizza's sustainability efforts, you can visit our website, www.kotipizza.fi. There's a section called sustainability or pastoral resource in Finnish. You can read more there. And if there's something, a question that you want to ask, you can always email sustainability at communications, sorry, sustainability at gotebitsagroup.com. And I will personally answer any of the questions you might have. I'm sure that this interview sparked some interesting thoughts. You can comment about the topics discussed in this episode on Nordic Sustainability Investigators LinkedIn page. And you're always welcome to leave your feedback or recommend somebody for an interview at our website nordicsustainabilityinvestigator.com. Perhaps you're also working on sustainability issues and would like to share your experience. By the way, The links to the studies I mentioned in this episode can also be found on the website.